get into the message, I want to take just a moment to share with you a conversation uh, that I had on Thursday of this week. Uh, as school is starting uh, across Cobb, Cherokee, Paulding County, and others starting soon, uh, I guess Gordon has started uh, in city of Calhoun with Sarah. Uh, this week, the first of our homeschool cooperatives met on Thursday. Uh, during the week, uh, we will have three different homeschool uh, cooperatives that meet, have people in the building during the day, every day, except Thursday. On Monday nights, the Big Chicken Chorus rehearses here, uh, Marietta's Community Chorus. We've got two Girl Scout troops, no, three Girl Scout troops now, uh, that meet here at various times. There is a, uh, a, an outreach group and fellowship group uh, geared for Japanese nationals in our community that meets periodically on Sunday on Sunday afternoons. There are two 12-step support groups that meet here. One of our neighborhood groups has an investors group that meets here monthly. I keep trying to get tips from them, but they're, they're not offering me any. And that's in addition to uh, the three other congregations that worship in this space on the weekends. Over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear us talking more and more about money and stewardship and our financial responsibilities. Uh, and it's easy for us to, uh, to focus that conversation on us, uh, that our church ministry budget provides for uh, compensation for our pastors and staff, uh, that it provides this space for us to meet in. Uh, that it pays the mortgage and the utility bills and all those kinds of things uh, that help us function as a church. Uh, but folks, what that ministry budget does and, and what this building allows us to do isn't just about us. And it isn't just about Sundays. You see, the homeschool group that meets here on Thursdays this year is new to us. They're six or seven years old. And to this point, they have met in parks and library conference rooms, other places where they could find space and meet, weather permitting, when space was available. They have been looking for a place to call home or at least have somewhere to meet. Oftentimes they found as they've approached churches that churches would say, sure, you can meet here, but our rate is, would be what we would charge for weddings, and that's $300 an hour, and that was cost prohibitive. You find out that churches have lots of ways to say, sure, we'd love to have you here, but the, the fact is they make it very, very difficult. <coughs> Excuse me. For that to actually happen. And Ms. Johnston said there were times that we had very encouraging conversations on the phone until I got to the church and met someone in person. And in that face-to-face -face meeting, uh, it seemed like their enthusiasm for our coming to meet with them declined tremendously. You see, Heritage Homeschoolers is a program geared for black families who choose to homeschool. So they are a subset, 
homeschoolers, our homeschooling families, are one subset. But within that community, they are another small subset. Nigel, let's turn this off and let me just use the pulpit mic. This scratch is going to go away. <coughs> Growing up in South Florida, my first question to ask God in heaven was why mosquitoes? Um, living most of my life in North Georgia, the question becomes, why allergies? But anyway, I uh, beg your forbearance there. And she looked at me, and she, I, she had told me that she found out about us through one of the other groups that meets here um, that is a music group, and it's, it's led by a, a, multi, a woman of multi-ethnic heritage, Ms. Johnson just looked at me and tearfully said, we feel like we found somewhere where we're wanted, that maybe we have found a home. Now folks, their story breaks my heart on any number of levels. Things that as a white guy and as a pastor, I want to think are ancient history. But it's not. But it also brings great joy to my heart. That we can be known in this community as a church that wants to help people. And as a place that offers welcome and hospitality to everyone on Sunday mornings and Monday nights and all day on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. So remember, as you think about how you can support the ministry budget that will allow us, empower us, enable us to do good. Remember the good that you're doing and the witness to God's great good news in Jesus that we can offer. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then we'll skip down to verse 8. I, I think we'll have that text up on the screens. You've got your Bible. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. <clears throat> By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city without foundations, whose architect and builder is God. 
And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are making that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had, a, had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Hebrews 11 is well known uh, for containing the roll call of faith. As the writer continues on in this chapter, uh, from Abraham and his immediate family through the patriarchs. It's an intimidating list of men and women of faith. They had great faith. Faith we could never hope to attain to. Heroes and heroines of faith whose faith has shone brightly through the centuries, whose faith shines so brightly it casts shadows on our meager faith. These people who had faith of, of such oomph that sometimes it intimidates us rather than inspiring us. How could they have such faith? How could I ever hope to have such faith? Such faith? Which brings us to the simple question of, of what does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean to live by faith? First of all, to mean that we live by faith means that we live with confidence. We live with the confidence and assurance that God is at work even when we can't see it. God is at work. Even when we can't understand it. God is at work. See, sometimes when I'm waiting for God to, to do God's work, to do what I'm wanting God to do in my life, what I can't see is that God is working in somebody else's life to get things ready for the work in my life. I can't see what's going on. But by faith, I can believe that God is at work even when I can't see it. And not only that, He's at work even when I can't understand how He's working. Which, by the way, when you stop and think about it, is a pretty good thing. Because if God's work was limited to what I can understand, if God's work is limited to what I think I could pull off or what I think might be reasonable, that's really not much of a God, is it? 
really not going to be all accomplished. The, the big things, the significant things that I oftentimes need done in my life. But to live by faith means that I live with the confidence and assurance that God is at work even when I can't see it. To live by faith also calls for us to recognize that the God who created the universe itself is powerfully at work in my world and in my life today. Hebrews affirms for us here that God created everything out of nothing. Now, we can read the Genesis accounts of creation and we may read it literally and see, believe that God created in seven 24-hour days or we may give room for God and God's wisdom and God's power to create over a much longer period of time through a different process. But the point of the Genesis accounts of creation, and I'm careful to say accounts because there's, if you read, there's two different stories there. The point of the stories is not how God created, but that God did create. And that out of nothingness, God created the universe. If I can believe that God created the universe, created this planet that could, of all the planets in the galaxy, this one planet that could sustain life for humans, people like us, and believe in that kind of God, then I can know that this God's power is at work still. At work in my world and at work in my life. And that if God could create out of nothing, just imagine what God can create when He takes the mess of me and puts His hands around it. And reshapes the mess. And gives me new life. To live by faith also calls, I think, for a sense of readiness. That we're to travel lightly. To not be so burdened by the things of this world that we can't get up and go whenever and wherever God calls us. Verse 8 for me is one of the most challenging verses in all of Scripture. When Hebrews says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as in his inheritance, obeyed and went, <coughs> even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham obeyed and went by faith. Trusting God. You know, nowadays, whenever any of us go on a trip, especially if it's somewhere we've never been before, what do we do? We get out our phones, we go to an app, and we plug in an address. 
And this annoyingly sweet little voice directs us to our destination. Before we start the trip, we know where we're going. What Abraham demonstrates for us is a willingness to say, here I am, Lord. Take me wherever You want me to go. Now we're told that when Abram asked God, when, when will I know where I am? God says, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know when you've arrived. Oh, that they packed tents. They lived on the move. They were nomadic people. So that as God led, they could pack up everything they owned and move on. Folks, what God desires from us is a faith that we could say to God, here I am. Let me call it an open contract. There's no fine print. We're not negotiating any terms. I'll go where you want me to go. And I'm not going to get so encumbered, so tangled up in what I have that I'm tempted to hold on to what I have, what I have instead of taking hold of what you want to give me. And we're to remember. We're to remember that our promise-keeping God is not limited by human expectations. Aren't we glad that God is bigger than we are? That God is smarter than we are? That God is more powerful than we are? We see here the example of Abraham and Sarah and we're told that you know God made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation, of a multitude. There was only problem, one problem. Abraham was an old man. Well, there was two problems. Because Sarah was an old woman. You know, that's probably the only time I can say that and not get in trouble for saying it. Neither one of them were in the childbearing business again. But God. I, one day I'm going to do a sermon series and just call it, But God. And, and, and look at the times in Scripture where we're told that a circumstance is laid out and then we read those words, But God. But God had other plans. Abraham and Sarah knew that they couldn't have children of their own, but God knew something they didn't know. Abraham and Sarah's neighbors and family knew that they were way too old to have children, but God. Folks, trusting God, living by faith, calls for each of us to go as far as we can go. To go maybe till we've reached our limits. But to know that God can go further. To know that God has plans bigger than our plans. 
There are lots of other limitations that people will put on your life. Some people, some of us, some of you have, have grown up with, with the message that, well, you're a woman. But God. Or you're black. You can't do that. But God. Or you don't have the education or the skills or the training. But God. We live with a promise-keeping God. It's interesting when the... Um, where did we go? And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered Him faithful who had made the promise. You see, it wasn't about Sarah's faith. It was about God's faithfulness. And when your faith and my faith small or weak or faltering, it's really not about us. It's that we place our faith in a faithful God. And are able then to live by faith. As the text goes on, we're reminded that this world is not our home. It's not the final destination. That this life isn't all that there is. And that the time that we measure time by isn't the only way to measure time. For God keeps His own clock. And God's work is not limited by time. We are called not to look back, but to look forward. Not to look back longingly for where we've been, but to lean into what God has ahead. By faith. We live by faith anticipating God's future. The, the church that I, I would call my home church, which probably wouldn't welcome me back, but that's a whole other story, their, their slogan at the time was anchored to the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe that the best is yet to be. Folks, that's a good word for us as people of faith to live by. That we believe God's best is yet to be. I don't think you should ever be able to use pessimist to describe a Christian. Our son Thomas, who's the Marine, a couple of years ago we were talking and he was really frustrated because he was coming up on a time for his annual um, fitness review. And he said, Dad, you know, I've realized once you 
get off Paris Island and you get in your thing, it's, for, a, for a lot of Marines, it's just a job. And he said, they don't really do much to stay in shape until they have to take this annual test. He said, you should never be able to, be, to see a fat Marine. He said, but some of these guys have stopped taking care of themselves. It was incredible to him that there could be an overweight, out-of-shape Marine. That motivated him to still spend two hours a day in the gym. But you probably shouldn't be able to see a fat Marine. But I also don't think you ought to be able to see a pessimistic Christian. If we believe the God that made the world that we live in is the God who raised Jesus from the dead, then we should live by faith and hope in a faithful God. The patriarchs lived by faith even though they didn't see their faith fulfilled. They saw it from a distance but never experienced it. I cannot imagine Moses getting to just outside the city limits of the promised land and gazing across, but never setting foot on it. But he lived by faith. The way that we live by faith, knowing that, that it is not only what is accomplished in this world, but in the world to come, is accomplished not just in our lives today, but God's work continues on. Some of us are here today fulfilling the prayers and the hopes and the dreams and the faith of godly parents and grandparents. They couldn't imagine the life that you're living, but you're fulfilling it. Too often, too often our prayer is, asking, is limited to asking God to do something for us. When living by faith calls for us to ask God to do something through us. What would happen when you ask for something in prayer if when you realize that God wanted you to be the answer to that prayer? You know, one of those, God, somebody needs to do something about that prayers. And when you open your eyes, you realize, uh-oh. Maybe I'm the one that's supposed to do something about that. Now, I'm not saying don't ask God to take care of your needs. We're told to do that. But know that as we ask God to take care of us, that we also need to be asking God to work through us. That we might live by faith. Faith in a faithful God. Let's pray.
God, how we thank you for your great faithfulness. God, you created us and gave us the gift of life itself. You gave us Jesus that our lives might be redeemed and renewed. You give us your ongoing presence through the gift of the Spirit to sustain us, to challenge us, to guide us. God, in in this moment, we offer you ourselves. We offer you our feeble and faltering faith. But we know that we offer it to a great and good and faithful God. Help us, Lord, to live by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Van's going to lead us as we sing, giving us an opportunity to stop, to reflect, to remember, and commit. That as God speaks, has spoken to us and calls us to new and greater faith, that we can offer that one word that he loves to hear, a simple yes. God, I don't need to know all the details. I don't need all the blanks filled in. Yes. And I'll trust you to take care of So as we consider how God has spoken and how we might respond, let's stand and sing.